Assalamu alaikum. It is Thursday, the twentieth of May, two thousand and twenty-two, and in our series Reflections on the Holy Quran, this is broadcast number three hundred and twelve, and we've been discussing the meanings of. Um, Chapter two, verse one hundred, and uh, the word we were discussing yesterday, you mean we will carry on with uh, uh, sharing our thoughts on that word, because uh, as I said at the end of yesterday's broadcast that uh, uh, <clears throat> it has much significance that needs to be taken into uh, account and people just gloss over uh, the thing. Uh, it, it, con it consists of uh, two segments, you, which is the verb and wa and noon, form a pronoun and uh, its uh, root is Hamza Meem Noon and in the Holy Quran you find uh, 17 words made by using this root and uh, in all they appear in the Holy Quran <coughs> Uh, 879 times. So let's go to the verse of the Holy Quran which I forgot to recite. But I will do so now. A'uzu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Awakulama ahadu ahadan nabazahu. Pari um min hum. Bal aksarahum la yukminun. And it's the word yukminun that we are discussing again today. And its English translation is, is it that whenever they make a covenant, a party of them cast it aside, nay, most of them have no faith. 
and this word has been translated by Hazrat Maulana Muhammad Ali as faith in this context. And uh, <clears throat> if we go to my notes on the computer, and let's have a look at that. Uh, as always happens, the pages get mixed up during my Urdu broadcast. But anyway, yesterday we ended and we were uh, uh, sharing ideas on uh, <clears throat> the use of this word in chapter 33, verse 72. And uh, we discussed that uh, the, uh, <clears throat> the word amanat here is frequently translated as burden, some say responsibility. But what does that burden, what, what entails that burden or responsibility? And some say it means doing off justice under all conditions. <coughs> and then uh, Others say that burden was the ability to distinguish between right and wrong and do the, doing the right thing by choice rather than compulsion. As we saw yesterday, a mango tree has to bear mangoes. It can't one year decide that it's bored with bearing mangoes and it's going to, uh, I don't know, bear bananas or oranges or whatever. And the third school of thought is that they, this is actually the ability, the ability to gain knowledge. And they say it, it's actually the alphabet because that is the basis of uh, all knowledge. But of course, um, it's also used in the sense that, uh, that we speak about in uh, languages like Urdu. And whoever enters this uh, house, he is assured of peace. He has peace. Chapter 3, verse 97. Now, what does finding peace mean? What does finding security mean? And some people say, well, what it means is that he has secured himself against hellfire. Others say that um, He's secured himself peace. He will now be free from worry, but worldly 
problems, etc. And uh, Haram Sharif or Kaaba is uh, uh, mentioned in a number of places in the in the Holy Quran as a place of peace. Awalam yero anna ja'alna haraman haraman amina. Chapter 29 verse 67. Uh, can't they see that we have made haram? A place of security. Haraman amina. Haram is the place of safety, security, peace. And again, in chapter 2, verse 125, Baita wa amna. And uh, when we decreed that uh, the Kaaba, the house, is a place where people should gather and uh, they will find security. Uh, and uh, the same word is used for uh, for sleep because uh, uh, obviously when you're asleep then uh, worries of this world leave you you know you're contented and uh, this is why sleep is very very important if you are to maintain your uh, sanity. But Al-Iman, this use of the word, actually mean uh, Islam or the Islamic Sharia. And uh, in chapter 2, verse 62, we saw Allazina Amanu, Allazina Hadu, Van Nasara, Wathabi'un. Generally, Allazina Amanu is translated at, uh, as uh, the Muslims. But uh, those who believe is the literal translation. Those who believe in the Jews and the, uh, and the Christians. Actually, literally, you could say it means Nazarenes or Thabis. Now, there is, we don't know who Thabis are, and there are different interpretations of who these people were. Um, when I was doing the uh, Urdu broadcast, a kind friend uh, sent me his opinion of who Thabis were. I guess he's from India, from what he was saying. Um, that uh, he was talking about Hinduism and different castes and so on, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, he may be right, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> but sometimes, and this is important, you see, that um, this is how things go astray. If you just rely on translations, as I said, Allah Zina Amanu, those who believe, now it gets translated in many places as the Muslims, because other religions are mentioned there. 
Judaism and Christianity and, 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 and so on. So rather than saying those who believe, people translate that as uh, 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 translate that as Muslims. But this is not strictly the text. This is an interpretation of the text by us. And if we lose the original and just rely on the translation, then, you know, uh, things can go awry. Uh, it, it's like uh, the prophecy in the Old Testament that uh, a young girl will have a son. And then to support immaculate conception of Jesus Christ, Hazrat Isa it got translated as, not, as a virgin will, share, will bear a son rather than a young girl. This is why it's very important and Muslims are very lucky that we have the original text of the Holy Quran. So you can look at it and you can say, yes, it's fine, it's been translated in this way. But, uh, you know, I've looked at the dictionaries and, and I've thought about it and things have changed since this translation was done. And, uh, you know, I think it may be something else. <clears throat> now we are talking about Allazina Aman. So what is Iman? What is this belief? And there are a number of stages of this belief. And that is that you have belief with the tongue, <coughs> which is you just say something with your tongue. Oh yes, 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 that's right. And you leave it at that. And then there is um, affirmation in the heart and by your actions. So when all of these come together, that is when you have Iman. Because with your tongue you pronounce something, in your heart you believe that, and by your actions, you show that what you are saying and what is in your heart, you are actually acting on that. And that is very important. Um, you see, and I keep on reiterating this because it, it is so important that in Islam, and there is that famous hadith that Osama threw someone onto the ground, a disbeliever, uh, a kafir, uh, during the battle. And he was about to kill him and the man recited the kalima. But Osama Razila still went ahead and killed the man. And this news got to the Holy Prophet Muhammad. And uh, the Holy Prophet's face went red with anger. And he said to Osama, you killed him after he recited the Kalimah. 
said, O Prophet of Allah, he was only reciting the Kalima to save his life. So the Holy Prophet then said, did you cut open his heart to check that he wasn't sincere? And the Holy Prophet Muhammad was very upset by it. What Osama has done to the extent that uh, in uh, uh, some uh, <clears throat> recordings of this incident, Hazrat Osama says, I wish I'd never been born because I caused the Prophet of Allah such sadness. Now, this is a very important incident. See, people keep talking about, uh, you know, following the Sunnah of the Holy Prophet Muhammad and all this kind of thing. But uh, when it comes to it, they don't. What does it show? It shows that a simple announcement of the Kalima, that I am reciting the Kalima to become a Muslim, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah, is enough for, for a person to become a Muslim. But the other important thing to remember is that no one has the right to question the sincerity of the person saying that. Because Osama says he wasn't genuine, he only recited the Kalima to save his life. And the Holy Prophet Muhammad responds by saying, well, you know, how did you determine that he wasn't sincere? You cut open his heart and have had a look. So, a profession by the tongue is enough. And no one has the right to question such a person about his being a Muslim and so on. There's a verse in the Holy Quran which says that uh, the desert dwellers, they say that uh, we are true believers, say to them that uh, you are Muslims. You are not true believers because faith has not yet entered your heart. So this is the Holy Quran saying that. They tell these people, they, they claim to be Mormons, true Muslims. But say to them, they are Muslims, but faith has not yet entered their heart. But they are still to be regarded as Muslims. The Quran doesn't say, no, you're not. God doesn't say, I don't believe you. And yet we have arrogated to ourselves the right to decide who is a Muslim and who is not. How sad is that? And yet we talk about following the Sunnah of the Holy Prophet Muhammad. There is also an incident from the life of Hazrat Umar Someone reported to him that Mr. XYZ, he has only recited the Kalima to gain some um, worldly benefit. So Hazrat Umar called him and he said, this is what I've heard, that you recited the Kalima just to get some worldly benefit. 
And the man said, well, is this forbidden in Islam? When Hazrat Umar, now I can't remember now whether he said no or whether he just let the man go. But the point is this. The man didn't deny the fact that he recited the kalima just to get some benefit. And that Hazrat Umar just let him go. Why? Because Hazrat Umar knew that he had no right to delve into, into the sincerity of that man. Whether he was sincere or not, it wasn't up to him to decide. And the man, you know, he wasn't afraid. He clearly said, is it forbidden? And this is what we forget. And we take on the burden of such decisions upon our shoulders. So what does believe mean, those who believe? Well, it means to accept, not to deny, to affirm, to declare it to be true. It also means to have trust, confidence and to obey. And there are five things, five characteristics which you have to show to establish that you believe. And that is that uh, you believe in Allah. That indicates that you believe that there is a creator, someone more powerful, more knowing, more knowledgeable, better than you are. And then the Day of Judgment. That's very important because it shows that we all have to account for our deeds. You know, if someone has already paid for our sins, why should I be good? You know, there has to be something. You have to be accountable. <clears throat> we are accountable in this life, aren't we? We go to work and at the end of the year we have an annual appraisal. <coughs> and we know we'll have to say, well, why was that project late? Why was that over budget? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? And I know, and, and we know that our promotion, our pay rise, etc., depends on that annual appraisal. So, why should it be any different at the end? <clears throat> then we must believe in the angels. I know most people think angels are sort of creatures with wings that fly about and do things, etc. But 
I've shared my thoughts about this with you, that angels actually mean God's laws, and these are all the laws, laws of physics, laws of astronomy, laws of chemistry, laws of economics, even family law. Whatever God has, God has created and decreed comes under that. And books, that is guidance that has come from God. And the prophets, that we believe God sends us guidance through human beings. And that's a very important point. And this is sometimes what I say uh, to my Christian friends, that uh, they say, you know, about Jesus, and I say to them, well, maybe the Son of God can do it. But I want to see a human being. I want to see that a human being can act in this way. And that was the whole point about the Holy Prophet Muhammad and his companions that they were human beings who acted on this guidance to show that it is possible. Belief in God is important because, uh, you know, if you don't believe your teacher is teaching you the right thing, why would you follow it? <clears throat> so if you don't believe that there is a God or that he sends God, there is one, but you know, he doesn't send guidance and so on, why would you believe and obey that guidance? And uh, the point about believing in God is this, that it establishes the fact that humanity is not subservient to anything else. Remember in the days of old, the uh, um, volcano would erupt and people would get all scared and they'll say, oh, it needs a human sacrifice and they'll take some young girl and throw her in to please the uh, volcano god. Allah tells us, the Holy Quran tells us that no, we can overpower that volcano. There is no, there is nothing in the universe that we need to bow to. But then with that, there's an interesting point, and which is that uh, human beings cannot attain full guidance through their own efforts. This is why God sends revelation and prophets and, and uh, that revelation is, is preserved in books and so on. That is why you have Vahi. 
I mean, the example I always give is great scholars believe, Islamic scholars believe that Jesus was not put on the cross. Judas was made to look like Jesus and Jesus was taken up to heaven and he's been sitting there for 2000 years without eating, without drinking and one day he will come down Two angels will bring him down with his, his hands on their shoulders on a minaret in Damascus and so on. And then there are equally great scholars who say, no, Jesus wasn't taken up to heaven. He was put on the cross. It wasn't Judas. Because the man being put on the cross never claimed that he wasn't Jesus. So Jesus was put on the cross, but he didn't die. He fainted. And uh, to an extent that they thought he was dead. But when the centurion pierced Jesus' side, blood flowed out. That means his heart was beating. Otherwise, how was the flood flowing through his, how, 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 how was the blood flowing through his body? If the heart stopped beating, gravity would take all the blood to his feet. No blood would come out when you pierce the side, etc. So who do you believe? And that was the point about that he said, God has told me that it's written in the Holy Quran <clears throat> and people have misread it and misinterpreted it. That is the whole point. And God told Hadrasab and drew his attention to this. And this is something that people frequently forget. You see, there are two extremist camps. One says that the Holy Prophet was the last prophet. Yes, true. He wrote the last book. Very true. But then they go on to say, and now God has stopped speaking to man. The other extremist group says, well, you know, uh, God has at least one prophet sitting up in heavens. Some say he has already come, some say um, he will come, etc. But Hazrat Mirza Gulamamza taught and Ajimad believes that no prophet can now come, no new guidance can now come, no new law can now come. But God continues to speak to man to help in the interpretation of what has been revealed. This is why, as I am saying, God has told me that the Quran says Jesus is dead. That's the important thing. Although there is much more to say, but uh, I think we'll finish here. We've already spent two days on just one word of the uh, of the Holy Quran. And um, our time is 
time of our broadcast is over. So I take my leave of you with a prayer that whoever you are and wherever you may be, may Allah keep the whole of humanity safe and sound and free from harm. Assalamu alaikum, Khuda Hafiz. Goodbye.